This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship God. A just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. If you try my heart, if you visit me by night, if you test me, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth does not transgress. Almighty God, how wonderful you are. Creation cries out in awe of your power. The universe shines with your glory and greatness. Almighty Lord, how majestic you are. And so we praise you, and we adore you, Lord. 
we turn our faces to you and lift up your holy and precious name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Welcome to our service today to the First Presbyterian Church of Philadelphia. We're glad you're with us in the pews as well as perhaps streaming online. My name is Reverend Jerry Foote and I am the pastor of, what am I the pastor of? <laughs> Congregational care. <laughs> Congregational care here at the church. And our guest minister today is the Reverend Dr. Margaret Somerville. Most of you probably know Margaret. She has been in the church since a child when her father, Dr. J. Ernest Somerville, was pastor here. And now she continues to bless us with her presence. So we thank Margaret for being our guest preacher today. Our guest pianist is Susan Ricci Robel. And we're very glad to have you, Susan. Dr. Mollis, our minister, is away during the month of August. He's on vacation and study leave. Should you need anything church administration-wise, call Sue Riemann in the office or her email address is in the bulletin. If you need pastoral care, concerns, call me or email me. My email address is in the bulletin. Our choir, under the direction of Andrew Sin, is now in the UK, singing in London and in Scotland. Please keep them in your prayers. The 20s and 30s are meeting for lunch today, for brunch, and it will be following this service. Meet in Old Buttonwood Hall and look for Elaine Hamby. Elaine, you want to? She's right back there. Other announcements are in your bulletin. Let us turn to our time of confession. Remember that our Lord Jesus can sympathize with us in our weaknesses 
since in every respect he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Loving and all-gracious God, we come before you in humility, seeking your mercy. There are so many ways in which we see ourselves as we walk this life. Ways in which we hold power. Ways that we connect to systems and communities. Ways that identify us as individuals and as partners. Yet so often we fail to center our identity in our connection to you. May we look for your presence at the core of who we are. May we center our action in the teaching of Jesus Christ. And may we, in your mercy, find our being rooted in your grace and forgiveness. position to condemn only Christ and Christ died for us Christ rose for us Christ reigns in power for us Christ prays for us anyone who is in Christ is a new creation the old life has passed away and the new life has begun Friends, believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We turn to the reading of scripture. First of all, the gospel lesson taken from Matthew 14. Beginning with verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, 
We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This ends the reading from the Gospel. We turn now to a reading from the Epistle of the Letter to the Romans. Paul enumerates the identities of the Israelites. Listen for all the ways in which they are identified as the people of God. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. Here ends the readings. As you listen to this reading from Genesis, I'd ask you to keep in mind that it is part of a much larger narrative. It's a bridge between Jacob's encounter with his brother Esau and the deception and theft that was a part of the stealing of the blessing. And Jacob preparing to meet his brother Esau again. And also, keep in mind, this passage is marked by ambiguity. So if you feel yourself lost as I read the, he said this and then he said that, Keep in mind that this might be intentional. Some translations try to clarify it, but I'm just going to jump right into those pronouns. So listen for the word of God as it is written in Genesis chapter 32, reading from verse 22. He got up and took his two wives 
his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob, Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and my soul has been preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord. Loving and all-gracious God, may your spirit open our hearts to receive your word in all of its ambiguity and to find in it our encounter with you. Amen. So you've come here today, and so have I. And here we meet. And perhaps the only encounter we will have today is right here, face to face. Or perhaps we'll talk afterwards and share some thoughts. But will we emerge from this encounter, sharing worship today at First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia? Will we encounter emerge from this encounter changed. We bring with us today a satchel 
that we lug around with all the other encounters we've had in our lives up to this point. Ways in which we identify ourselves from these encounters, ways in which we are known to one another or not. But what if we were able to strip ourselves of all those identities and histories that we carry and just come here raw to meet God face to face and to emerge changed. This was Jacob's pivotal moment in this reading today, and we have known Jacob in some really compromising positions. We first meet him as he's grabbing the heel of his brother in the womb, not the firstborn, not the bearer of the birthright blessing, but desperately grabbing for it, even in utero. And we travel with his story as his mother encourages him to deceive his brother Esau and his dying father, a dysfunctional family story at best. But now he comes to Jabbok, and he strips himself of everything. Do you find it interesting that Jabbok and Jacob just have the last two consonants reversed. It's a crafty piece of writing laden with interesting literary devices like this. Jabbok means the place of wrestling. And in the end, Jacob's name will be changed to Israel, the one who wrestled with God. El meaning God. And I point that out just so you will continue to keep in mind that this is a beautiful piece of writing, playing with names and lack of names and meaning of names, but then ultimately the stripping away of things we use to identify ourselves. Jacob lets go at the river. All those histories and encounters that have defined him to this point. His wives and 11 children identifying him as the one who forwards the line of God's people. And his servants divesting himself of his position of power. And finally, everything that he had, all of his possessions. He's likely naked and alone and stripped of everything that gave him a sense of self. And here he meets this stranger in the night. In this moment, Jacob has to come to terms with who he is. 
the stealer of the blessing, the one who has manipulated and been manipulated, the carrier of the blessing, the one who is to move God's promise to the nation forward, a brother who's about to come face to face with the brother that he cheated. And he has to come to terms with all that he is and let it go so he can come face to face with God and emerge transformed. A new name, a new blessing, and an identity that names him as all the people of God, Israel. At its core, this is a story about identity, owning all that it is, but also realizing that stripped of everything we carry in our most raw form, we are inseparable from our identification with God. From Jacob and Jabbok, these words twisted together, to two characters literally wrestling in the night, whose pronouns make them indistinguishable, Jacob meets God face to face in the barest essence of who he is and emerges transformed. The Bhagavad Gita, part of this sacred epic of Hindu scripture, it also holds some beautiful writings about this same struggle with identity that we see in our Hebrew text about Jacob today. We think the Bhagavad Gita was written just about the same time as Genesis was, which already is fascinating. But the Gita lists all the ways in which our satchel is filled with identities. Our ones that come from the family we're connected to, the communities we're a part of, our cultural and religious affiliations, the work we do, the causes we stand up for. But the Hindu teaching says we should set aside all these identities because they are transient, the cause of bondage delusion, and suffering. And as long as we are caught up in them, we cannot know our true spiritual identity. The eternal, indestructible, and infinite self. In Hinduism, our spiritual identity is the most important of all our identities because it is our permanent and independent identity that cannot be altered. 
so really fascinating is it is so closely linked to the divine. They are so one and the same that we can't even understand or name them separately. And isn't this just exactly how Jacob walks with that limp in his hip? His encounter with God literally embedded in the way he walks. And don't see that limp as an infirmity. It is not. The way he walks through life and his new name, Israel, are inextricably bound to God. Everything stripped away, he and God live as one. And now he really gets that blessing. The blessing that God walks with him. And in this state, he is able to encounter his brother Esau again. And this time, when he sees Esau, he says, it is like seeing the face of God. In seeing God face to face, as a result of this encounter, this wrestling, he is able to see God in the face of even his most feared adversary. And the family is restored, and the promise to the nation moves forward. Do you know Caitlin Curtis? She is an indigenous faith leader, a member of the Potawatomi Nation. She's a storyteller and a poet and the author of a number of beautifully moving books, including a book called Native, Identity, Belonging, and Rediscovering God. And in this book, she says, identity does not come to us without journey. Because to learn who we are means to face difficult truths in our own lives and imagine what life might look like as those truths work themselves out inside of us. can't help but think of Jacob when I read her words. Jacob facing his difficult truths and the internal work that is illustrated as a wrestling with some part of himself that is the very idea of the Hindu spiritual identity. That which is braided together with the divine. And Caitlin Curtis goes on to say, our work is to call each other home. To call to one another's spirits and say, this is what it means to be human. To love and be loved. 
Our work is to call each other home. This is the kind of calling home that Jesus does for his disciples in our gospel reading today. The disciples who are so worried about sending the crowds home because there isn't enough food to eat. And Jesus essentially tells them, this is what it means to be human, to love and be loved. Just share what you have. There is enough. Kenwin Smith, whom some of you may remember as a former member of First Press, and one of the founding members of MANA, out of our very own kitchen here. He wrote a book called MANA in the Wilderness of AIDS, 10 Lessons in Abundance. And at the end of the book, he recounts the inspiration for the founding of MANA, at least in part, came from a sermon my father preached on this text of the loaves and fish, in which he said that the miracle of the loaves and fish wasn't about some magical production of more food, that it was about the miracle that occurs when we're inspired to love one another in this way, the way Jesus taught us to love one another to be open enough to share your all with the one you don't even know. And when you do, that's enough. And so from our kitchen here, we did just that. The founders of MANA inspired others to share what they had for the love of neighbor. And an organization was founded that supported those living with AIDS. Inspired by a minister who was not ready to do this work of affirming the gay community in the mid-80s before he died. One of the identities I bear when I walk in this church is the name Somerville. And to some of you, this name is unknown. You can check out that big portrait in the Beetle Room when you, go, when you go to coffee hour. And some of you hold on to this name. And perhaps I'm a reminder of your first days here at this church when my father stood here and I sat over there. And for some of you, this name may bring pain because you had a minister who lived by the don't ask, don't tell policy. And I bear that as part of the limp in my hip. But surely, God was in that encounter. That a sermon that he preached with a simple message of loving your neighbor inspired the journey forward for this church as a place of acceptance and affirmation for the LGBTQ community. 
So I can stand here today as of Somerville and say that every bit of every identity that you bring is a critically important part of your story and loved by God and the you that is stripped of every part of your identity is inseparable and indistinguishable from God. And we call one another home here with all of it and none of it. Just you and me face to face and a simple encounter with God from which perhaps we can emerge with a new limp in our hip. Let us pray. Loving God, when we look in the face of each person that we encounter as we walk this life, may we remember to see you face to face. Amen.
have had some time to reflect upon who and what it is we believe. Together, let us summarize our beliefs using the words of the ancient Apostles' Creed. Let us confess it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We sing our praises to the Lord, for God is good and worthy. We give our whole selves, our talents and material possessions, to the church with the expectation that they be used to further God's dream for our world. Please commit yourself and give as you are able.
Blessed are you, God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. Great God, our Father, Savior, and Holy Spirit, our hearts are filled with gratitude for your grace and faithfulness. Thank you for caring about those who we care about, for those who are sick or injured, recovering or anticipating surgery. Heal them, Lord, to their joy and your glory. And for those who grieve, comfort them with your presence and the hope of eternal life in Christ. We pray for our world. As our climate changes to higher temperatures and the flooding and rise of ocean waters, we pray for our planet we call Earth. May those who are led to intervene in many appropriate ways be richly blessed. May all of our efforts to stem this climate change prove fruitful and give us hope, for we know how much this creation of yours, Lord, means to your heart of hearts. We continue to pray for the war in Ukraine. Forgive the sins of the oppressor, and may the oppressed find new hope and new life from the ashes of destruction. May our citizens be convinced that the unrest along our borders are matters of high concern. Give us hearts that truly care about our neighbors, and may the means to bring these people into our own land through our compassion and resources find the ways we can minister to the outcast. We pray for the church throughout the world. May she continue to be a sanctuary for those who call on the name of Jesus and cast themselves upon her. May her ministers proclaim truth through the gospel and minister to all who would come to her seeking a word of hope, comfort, and salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray for our particular church, First Presbyterian Church of Philadelphia. May the pastors, those who fill our pews and worship with us online, be led and blessed by the Holy Spirit 
and be inspired to seek truth and justice for all through our Lord Jesus. Also, we pray for the children of the church who need to learn our Bible stories and why it is that we come together on Sundays. We pray for the older adults who require more attention and care and need words of hope and promise. We pray for the young adults who seek to find their place in the world, how to serve, and whom to serve as they establish priorities in life. For those in midlife, we pray, who seek newness and wholeness in a world gone stale with sameness and who may be empty. trying to reorient their passions and priorities. We pray for all, and may God's blessings be upon them. Finally, we pray for our city and the crises and challenges that she faces. We pray that the gun violence will be thwarted by caring adults and police officers. We pray for better housing for the underserved and that our resources feed those who are hungry. We pray for jobs that will nurture and take care of families who are struggling. We pray for our schools, that they employ good and dedicated teachers who prepare our young people for the future use of their education and talents. Now hear us, Lord, as we together pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Now, friends, go forth from these walls to walk with whatever limp it is you have in your hip, knowing that with all of your identities and with none of them, God walks with you. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this day and forevermore. Amen.